Thanks so much for listening to No Lions Here with me, Big Panda. Hey guys, welcome back to No Lions Here. I'm Big Panda and I'm a recovering sex addict. Uh, so tonight I have a very special guest in studio via Zoom with me. Um, this man um, I've gotten to know a little bit through our, we're on the same Tuesday, Thursday Zoom group, which you guys have all heard me mention before. Uh, same as Big Ticket and also Hagrid's in there with us as well. Um, I put out kind of a, I wouldn't say an SOS, but I'll say an SOS to the group on just earlier this week and about, hey, anybody wants to come on? And I had a, I had a bunch of guys respond, and I'm I'm super excited because over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have a bunch of guys in, and and I'm just, I'm really thankful for the response that I got because um, I, I wasn't really expecting, I really wasn't sure what to expect, um, especially around sexual addiction and, and things like that. So I'm very pleased to welcome uh, my brother in the program, Rev. Rev is joining us tonight. Hey, guys. Um, hello, hello. I'm super excited. You know, we haven't talked outside of the group. Um, and, yeah. you know, in this kind of setting, it really, you know, we, we get to know each other and just have conversations. And I got to be honest, coming in tonight, wasn't feeling great. Um, just had some things happen at home right before I got into the studio that kind of left me feeling kind of irritated. And but I got to say, man, now that I'm here sitting in front of you, I ate something. So, you know, going <laughs> going back to the the basic human needs. Um yeah. So I'm I'm really excited, man. I've been honestly, I've been excited all week to get you in and just sit down and, and just chop it up about recovery. So, so Rev, first off, we're gonna start off, man. Uh, thanks again for coming on. I just I, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm honored to. I'm ex- I'm excited to the I'm I'm uh, I haven't had a lot of good opportunities to do long form talking with other guys. You know, the Tuesday group is awesome, but you're you're doing little bites and it's not a conversation because that's not the format. So this is I'm excited to be able to have a conversation. Awesome, man. Awesome. So so Rev, we'll we'll, we'll jump right into it, man. You know, what yeah. what 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 brought you to SAA? What got you into the program? You know, what's kind of what's what's Rev's story? Um, yeah, what who is Rev? What 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 got you in? For sure, man. Yeah, I uh um my therapist is what brought me into SAA. She basically recommended it from day one. Um, but, you know, my story, I, I think I, I've always been like the good kid. Growing up, uh, you know, parents, pillars in the community, uh, highly, highly respected. I, I grew up in a good house, good family, not an abusive environment. I, I like, not... Uh, Nothing extreme in any direction, but privileged for how good the experience was. But I, I was exposed to um, to internet porn at a buddy's house when I was probably 10, 11, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, and honestly, as, as, I've, as I've processed, you know, looking back in my own history, it's, uh, it's funny. It's, you can't really see it through the eyes of the 10, 11 year old version of myself, I can only see it through my adult eyes. And now I look back and I say, I was a curious kid. Mm-hmm. I was just curious. Mm-hmm. I just was like, my friends talk about this stuff. And now I have a, a place that I can go looking to, to learn more about it. But I think the curiosity tied right in with um, shame that I had lots of shame, man. 
um, shame about my own abilities, shame about, you know, I'm, I'm an older brother, but my younger brother always got the girls and I was always, I was jealous of that. I always felt like, I, like, I mean, I was a, I'm a tall guy. I was six foot four in the eighth grade. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, just and and 160 pounds, like just a twig. Ooh, yeah. Um, tall, gangly twig with tons of acne. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, um, I never quite exactly felt attractive. So I think porn kind of met all these things in, in, just like it was like a match made in heaven if yep. you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. um and uh and it was a, a match made in the shadow you know yeah. it was it was in the shadow of a lot of goodness in my life um and it just hung out there and it's where i went when i was sad it's where i went when i was lonely it's where i went when i was ashamed it was where i went when i was embarrassed you name it it was that little place that i went to hide um, and it stayed there. Uh, the first person that I ever actually told about the fact that I look at porn and I don't want to, um, was my soon to be wife, uh, when we first started dating, um, or it was, I've, I've been married for, um, for 12 years now. Okay. Uh, but we, uh, we had just started dating and it was a couple months in and I felt like I got this giant elephant in the room that I need to just make sure I tell her about and she responded so well to it this was in college freshman year of college so i'd gone from 10 11 to freshman year of college not a soul knew about it um and you know in college uh that was when i was first starting to kind of really form my own faith as a christian Mm -hmm. i'm i'm a christian i'm a pastor um and you know, so it's a complicated thing. It always felt like, you know, the scripture talks about this, um, like thorn in St. Paul's side. Yeah. That was like always just nagging him. Mm -hmm. And I I saw it like that. It's, it's this thing that keeps me humble (laughs) is how I (laughs) perceived it. Um, and, but always something that I wasn't ashamed of. And I felt like I'm supposed to be able to deal with this and willpower just never did it. Mm -hmm. Just not a chance. Oh yeah. Um, and I think the longest I had ever gone without looking at something, masturbating was maybe a month. And that was like, who I really pushed it. But it never, it, the, the closest it developed to was chatting with girls um, on sites while I was in college. As soon as I started dating, it never really became more than porn, but the porn itself became more, uh, more focused and more of just like a routine. Sure. Um, it was, it was addiction and it, it was addiction and habit very deeply mm-hmm. integrated. It, it, um, yeah. And it stayed there first time. So after we got married, I had, I had told my wife about the problem. She had me go see a, a, a friend about it who was wonderful. Everybody I talked to about when I actually talked about it was like, yeah, that's hard. I know a ton of people deal with that. <laughs> um, a lot of compassion and grace given to me, but I still was ashamed of it. it mm-hmm. Like I was just embarrassed. It felt like really you you can't get the the real stuff, so you go for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so kind of tie that all in. 
So it was very present before I even started the relationship with my wife. Um, and I thought that was going to fix it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, the classic, the classic. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I, I thought getting married is going to fix it. Mm. I thought being in the relationship is going to fix it. I'd say it fixed it for a couple of months and then it came back. And then I was too embarrassed to tell her that it had come back. Um, and I finally told her that had come back like three, four years into our relationship. And it was devastating. Mm. Um, she like, and, and the trust from that is still like, she is still struggling to trust me. Mm. And it wasn't about the porn. It was about the hiding. Yep. It was about the lying. Um, and I had come clean at that point to her still hadn't found recovery but at least I had come clean in that moment. And I think I stayed clean for almost a full year after that time. Yeah. Um, But eventually it just kind of quietly snuck back in, starting with little like YouTube searches for something or something along those lines until uh, more recently when I actually didn't come clean to my wife, but it had been growing and growing and growing and, and building in me to this point where I'm like, okay, I had left a work in manufacturing. I am now a pastor as my career. Um, and it just kind of hit a point where I was like, this is ridiculous, man. Like you are, you are setting yourself up for really hurting yourself and your family and other people in some dramatic ways. Mm-hmm but I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable going to like my denomination about it because who, man, that's, that didn't feel safe. Um, so I started meeting with somebody and hinting at stuff and they recommended that I see a therapist and I had been thinking about doing that for a while. Um, and I finally was just like, fine, sure. I finally got a name of a therapist, got things started. And that has been absolutely transformative for it. And, and right now I'm just past six months, uh, six months sober. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, this is the first time that that six months has felt like it wasn't straining to get there. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't white knuckling it. I wasn't. I, I mean, I've been like the first month, first month I was white knuckling. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but man, I tell you what, the, the thing that has the biggest difference between the 10, 11 years in the past six months has been how I respond to the craving. I used to respond to the craving with stop it, stop it, that's mm-hmm. bad, like cut it out, like just trying to willpower, trying to just use strategies, get my mind off it. And my therapist has been like, that never worked. Why do you think it's going to work now? <laughs> um, instead, maybe ask yourself, what are what need are you not having met? And try to actually get the need met. <laughs> um, and, you know, part, a big part of my story, too, that I'll kind of pull back and pause me at any point you need to, um, is that uh, my wife has a an illness as well called vaginismus. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. No, I haven't. Um, Vaginismus is a psychosomatic disorder. So it's kind of like your body responding to something based on psychological trauma of some form. Okay. um, Where 
she can't tolerate penetration period so here's a porn addict married to somebody who can't have sex yeah um and i think it took about five years of our marriage to find that illness to realize what it was it wasn't to realize it wasn't just like i don't know what the heck i'm doing and i'm hurting her yeah um but uh yeah it's we're still figuring that out sure but by the, by the grace of god um and some really clever like creative moves she was able to get pregnant a couple of years ago and we had our first kid after trying for 8 years wow yeah um and you know having a kid adds layers of stress sure mm-hmm. to, yeah. to life and um i think that's been also a big part of the motivation for me to do something different and to realize that my willpower isn't going to cut it. Um, so I'm, I'm now at a place where, okay, I'm six months in, I'm feeling like I'm in a good spot, but I, I'm, man, I, I'm starting to notice the creep. <laughs> like it's these little moments when I'm just exhausted, you know, had a really, really stressful week last week. And that was awful. And suddenly it's like, man the search looks <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and it's like it's totally it feels like it's totally disconnected but it's not it's like if i'm tired the halt stuff yep you, you, you've mentioned that to me a few times the halt stuff uh, it's um it's it's real like what is the other need that's not getting met so now at least i know that my my tool that really helps is okay i'm craving it what's missing in my life right now um and so I guess that's that's where I'm at. The whole story leading up to right now, that's where I'm at, is trying to figure out from moment to moment, week to week, when I crave, why am I craving it? And mm. really trying to tap into that question of it. Yeah, yeah, that's, man... First off, I just just thank you for sharing all that with me, man. That was yeah, that it's, it's it's awesome to just to get to know you a little bit better. And, and yeah. I, I say a little bit, I mean. A lot, a lot better, honestly. Yeah. You know, it's there's so much to our backstories. We're so much more than our addictions. And, you know, yeah. from the group, it's like I, I would have, you know, never have guessed what your profession was um, yeah. or anything like that. And I, I think that it's super cool. You know, I got your text. Um, uh, you know, you, you said you wanted to be called Rev, you know, because you're a pastor. And I got to say, I was sitting in the Arby's drive through and I was just like something just kind of, I was like, oh, man, that's. This is really cool. Like, all right. Like now I'm like super excited. Um, so thank you for sharing all that with me. I mean, I really appreciate yeah, for it. Sure, man. Um, have you found as far as like, so I know for me, like loneliness and tired, those are mm-hmm. like my big triggers hungry. Yeah. I can, I, I'm yeah, here and there. Um, and also angry. I don't typically, I don't see myself as an angry person. Um, I, I don't get me wrong. I have it. Um, but it just overall how I carry myself. I'm not typically just pissed off at the world all the time. Um, so have you found that there's any certain like, okay, these are my huge triggers. These ones I really need to look out for. And and what are those? Yeah. For me, it's, it's a, it's a trigger that's not just related. So tired is a huge one for me. If I am physically or emotionally exhausted and in my line of work, it tends to be more emotionally exhausted Mm, than physically exhausted. You know, I, I have to do things where I'm going from 
like essentially like being the MC running a house party to like having a heart to heart with somebody where I might have to ask them to move where I, then I have to go to somebody and walk with them through their addiction and then meet with somebody else who just had a baby and then go have a funeral. Like it's, wow, it's yeah. a range, man. Yeah. Um, and that can just whip you. Uh, like I get to the end of the day, I'm just like, I'm a zombie. Um, and those are moments where it's just, those are some of the hard moments. If I'm alone after that, um, so if I'm isolated and emotionally exhausted, I'm very susceptible because my willpower is weighed down. Um, but the other one, actually, it's not in the halt thing, but it's, um, if I don't know how to do the thing that I'm supposed to be doing in the moment. So like, you know, I'll, I'll give a random example. I need to fix the door in my basement and I don't know how to do the concrete work around it. And I know it's a big project. And I'm kind of overwhelmed by the project. That feeling of overwhelmed by a project is a trigger for me. Okay. Um, because when I'm overwhelmed by something, I tend to look for something else to do mm. um, to avoid the thing that I don't know how to do. Um, and a lot of times I've turned to porn as the thing that I do when I don't know, when I'm like struggling to get something done. Um, so ironically, one of the most challenging times for me is when I'm trying to write a sermon for, of all things, as a mm. pastor, I'm trying to write a sermon. And it's like, I'm really struggling to figure out the point I want to make today. Suddenly like the craving shows up because I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, it's an out. Yeah. It's an yeah. escape from the stressful thing that I can't figure out where I feel less than. And somehow when I go to porn, I feel like I'm in control again ironically because then the moment that i go to it and get a release the instant i'm done with that release it's like oh i'm exactly where i was and i feel ashamed of myself <laughs> yep. so that yep. didn't fix yep. anything but <laughs> mm -hmm. you know that that was what would draw me in and uh, a, a really helpful tool for me lately with that has been like I don't, I used to think I need to call somebody to be like, Hey man, I'm struggling right now. I want to look at porn. Can we talk? And I never made those calls. I always felt like they were awkward, uh, my, for me. Um, but what I do now is I'm like, I call a friend of like, Hey man, I'm working on this sermon and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Can I just talk out this idea with you? Because I feel overwhelmed by the project and it helps the porn it helps me not want the porn because I've got help in the the thing that's actually causing me stress in the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that all makes sense. Now, have you, you know, talking about, you know, all right. So when the cravings come on, obviously, you know, for us, it's like, all right, there's another need that needs to be met. Um, and I yeah. know for, for myself, I've, when I first got into recovery, I, and I, and I mean, I still struggle with this. Like there's a, I've just, making the distinction between what I want versus what mm. I need, right? Yeah. Like, cause there's things that I want that I think will fix it. And, and those normally will typically lead me to my needs. Um, but then I, I, I get frustrated easily with these kinds oh. of things. Cause it's like, okay. Um, so for, uh, for example, this was, this was sometime last year. I was just having a really bad day and, and I just wanted my ex-girlfriend to hold me. And tell mm. me that everything was going to be okay. Like that's what mm. I wanted, right? And I and I remember making a phone call, and he's like, "Well, 
okay, well, that's what you want, but what do you need? It sounds like you need to be nurtured. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. that Okay, that makes sense. Right, right. Okay. And then I'm like, we get off the phone and I'm like, well, how the heck am I supposed to do that? What, yeah, how, how do you meet that? How, how do I meet that need? So I don't know if 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 you've had kind of some of those same frustrations as far as like, mm-hmm. I, I I know that I need this, but I, I don't necessarily know. How, I mean, obviously, you know, the hungry, angry, lonely, tired, those are, are fairly simple, right? Like if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm tired, I go to sleep. Um, but some of kind of the other stuff, kind of the, the smaller, not, I don't want to call them smaller things, but the things that don't fit in that, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And I can kind of like, freeze and I get frustrated and you know mm. I'm an addict I get down on myself I'm like you're an idiot you should know what to do in this point and sometimes I and a lot of times I don't know what to do right off the bat um so I don't know if you've you know had any experience with that at all oh yeah for sure that's great man I because that's that is it's a lot of times those needs that they feel like um okay so I've recognized the need. What do I do about it now? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, for me, one of, one of those big areas, and, you know, be, before I say that, man, what a vulnerable thing to say. And I appreciate you saying, as, as a man saying, I need to be nurtured. Mm-hmm. Like, I got deep respect for that. Not a lot of guys are comfortable just saying that. Um, and... I think that I, I like that example because that's one that I often need myself. Um, that that I, I or at least it's a, a want for me yeah. to be like cradled. I uh, I see a a spiritual director, and you know one of the things I talk with her about is um, and if you haven't heard about spiritual directors, what they do is essentially it's it's similar to a therapist or a counselor, but it's specifically somebody who's whose skill set is to help people kind of take whatever their life is at the moment, their hopes, their dreams, their experiences, and, and to actually facilitate bringing those things before God and, and kind of just being in God's presence with somebody who kind of coaches you through that experience. Um, so my spiritual director, one of the things that I really wrestle with, uh, I, I don't, I, I'm a big fan of the Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram type three. Um, as an Enneagram type three, one of the things I really struggle with is feeling like I am valuable beyond what I have accomplished and what I do with mm. my life. That's like deep for me. Like I struggle to actually believe that I'm valuable if I accomplish nothing. Mm. Man, that's, um, I, yeah, I feel that. That hit me. <laughs> yeah, that's it's deep. Um and I, I shared that with my spiritual director and she invited me to think about my newborn daughter who was eight months old at the time. And she goes, has she accomplished anything in her life yet? I'm like, I mean, besides existing and pooping a lot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but she, she goes, okay, do you look at her and think that she is not valuable because she has not accomplished anything? Um, I'm like, no, I think she's valuable. And she, she goes, could you imagine God looking at you the same way? Mm. Could you imagine God looking the same way? And I, I was like, be perfectly honest. No, I, I struggle to actually 
picture it. And she, she, what she invited me to do is picture myself holding my daughter on my shoulder and just experiencing being with her and what that feels like to enjoy having her on my shoulder. And she said, now just imagine that the roles are shifted and God is you and you are your daughter and you are resting your head on God's shoulder. Um, and my God, I just broke down, um, that I broke down partly because I couldn't stay there. Like I struggled to emotionally stay in that spot because it was like, like I almost wouldn't allow myself to be that vulnerable or that needy. Yeah. (laughs) But man, what beautiful work that has been for me and helping me to tap into I'm, I'm an addict because I have, uh, looked at myself and said, it's your fault. You're the way you are. And instead of saying, you've made mistakes because you are in pain and God loves you and wants to just hold you and say, it's going to be okay. Like that nurture that you just described that what you're craving, man, that's, that's literally how God looks at us is like these little babies who can't do anything for themselves. And he just wants to love us. And, ah, oh, it's, I'm so grateful that I had somebody to, to like walk me into that space. Um, and I think I regularly need people that'll help bring me back to that mm, to, yeah. when I'm, cause that's my natural tendency is to start just like cracking the whip on my own back. Yeah. That's actually not what God does. You know, I, I'm going to, I'll get theological on you and stop me if I'm getting too being too preachy because us pastors tend to do that. Unfortunately, real quick, man, before you go into yeah. that, man, I just, uh, Man, just what you described right there, man, like that. Man, that really hit me. Yeah. That, that like, that really hit me, man. So thank you. Yeah. That, I know you're, I know you're the interviewer, but would you tell me more? Yeah. <laughs> man, I, you know, I, I have really, I've really wrestled with God and, you know, you, you, you said a lot there, you know, I, I've never viewed myself as valuable, you know, mm. never good enough. You know, I, that wasn't instilled in me as a kid, you know, that, that nurture, I, you know, I, I long to be nurtured and mm. I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that. So, you know, this, it all makes sense, you know, why I'm, why I did what I did and and where I'm, you know, where it led me and the behaviors and, and I, I struggle. I I still struggle with that, you know, of, of, am I, am I worth this? Am I worth it? You know what? I don't, you know, I I come across as a guy that's very confident and I'm not, man. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm scared. I'm terrified. Right, I'm just terrified of life. I feel like I'm not going to be good enough. Yeah, and I so 
just you know that 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 picture of you know just laying on laying on God's shoulders and him just just holding me, man. That was that was just so you know well well put that it just it just painted a picture in my head of, of what you know I want to do and what I what I strive for and you know I just I still really struggle with those feelings and you know is is God listening and and and, and I know that he is um but you know I I grew up in the church mm. I grew up in the church and it left a really bad taste in my mouth really yeah. bad that the term spiritual spiritual abuse came to me um, once I was in recovery, and man, that that yep. made a, that made a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, things kind of crammed down my throats. Um, the, the the rules that were that that kind of the ch- the churches that I was in put on people, and you know, you gotta you gotta live a certain way, and then it's all about perspective. Doesn't matter what's going on inside. It's a perspective. Like my my parents were my dad mm-hmm. was a praise and worship in the church. Praise mm-hmm. and worship leader. My my parents were, you know, but we had stuff going on at home that was just swept under the rug and it was like that stuff doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We have to look like the the perfect family with the picket fence and it doesn't matter. Um so so yeah. I, I I and for a long time I got away from it. You know, when I turned 18, my mom was like don't worry, like you, you're 18 now. I'm not going to make you go to church, and I and I never went back. Wow, I never went yeah. back, and you know, my whole life, good things have happened to me. I've I've had a lot of opportunities, and I just kind of chalked it up to privilege. You know, I grew mm. up in a in a fairly you know middle class. You know, a, my fa- my mother was a stay at home mom. Uh, you know, and I just kind of chalked that up to privilege. And, you know, when I got into recovery and I remember when I got into treatment, uh, I went to treatment and, you know, the 12 steps, higher powers everywhere. And it was like, um, day one, I was like, oh, dude, science tells me I can do this on my own. Day two, man, I changed my tune real quick. You know, like, all right, God, okay, you're there. All right. Um, I'm going to try this. Because I can't do this on my own, and but I've, I've still struggled with it. I, I'm not. I'm not in church. Um, Man, I, I I appreciate that vulnerability about kind of how the church has impacted you. Because you know, I think your 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 life is unique, but that story is way too common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way yeah. that spiritual abuse has impacted people, and I think driven many people like you and I into shadows. Because there hasn't been good options, so I, I want to hear more. One one hundred percent, man. It because because that shame, right? Because like the the yeah. rules that I was put on, you know, I didn't I didn't get the sex talk. I didn't get the you know. I was told don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. You know, yeah. don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but never explained why. Well, why why yeah. shouldn't I do it? Or the proper way to go about it? Hey, sex is between a man and a woman that love each other, and and in a very early age, you know, porn, you know, mm-hmm. and and you know, you kind of touched on it earlier, kind of exploring, and you know, for for all kids, that's natural, right? Absolutely. To to explore, that is just that's natural. That's that's human beings, um, but you know, pair that with. You know, I didn't get what I needed from my parents. My parents were there were there were big traumas in my life. Um, there was sexual abuse, um, mm. and then there was also so in in 
treatment, they taught us that, you know, there's big traumas and little traumas. Um, you know, big traumas are the, the violence, um, domestic abuse, um, sexual abuse. Um, and then there's little traumas where your parents are out to lunch is what they like to call it. Um, and either one of them, little, little traumas lead to addiction, big traumas. I've got a combination of both. And, you know, on top of the sexual abuse, my parents were out to lunch. Um, and I'm, and so I didn't get what I needed. So then the porn came into my life and my brain's like, that feels good. Right. We're going to use that because we don't know how to deal with our emotions. We don't know how to express ourselves. I wasn't heard. Okay. So now let's run into that. Well then, well then I'm in a church that's saying sex is terrible for you. Yeah. Terrible. Um, you know, you got to live this clean way. And then the shame, man, just grows and grows and grows. And yeah. it's, and, and so like, I, I look back on it now knowing what I know. And it's like, I, well, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm, no yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No wonder I'm an addict. Like I absolutely <laughs> get it. And, you know, they say that, uh, you know, an orgasm is the largest dopamine hit that the body can get naturally. Yeah. Right. So yes. of course I, I want that. And that's also why it's the hardest thing to kick too, uh, yeah. because it's all in our heads. I don't, I, you know, I'm also a drug addict, uh, mm. but drugs, there's, there's certain stops, the backstops that I have, mm. well, with sex and porn and uh, there, there are none. So the church just, just led to me. And then things kind of came out from the church as, as we got older. Um, I, I don't know if it was actually ever specifically found out about, um, the the sexual abuse, um, but I think it was it was at least hinted towards, and oh, okay. people in the church just like turned their backs. Oh wow! Turned their backs, and I was like, these people Ugh. are supposed to be. And and for me today, I kind of put people, I put Christians um, who are in the church, I kind of put them on the pedestal almost. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you're a Christian, you know, you're supposed to be this. God fearing person that has God and has it figured out. And well, that's not true. That's not necessarily true. Right. Um, so I, I'm working Some on that. Like that's the case, but what's that? <laughs> Some act like that's the case. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm seeing these people turn their backs and I'm like, well, wait a second. Like, I, I didn't think you guys were supposed to do that. Well, now I'm viewing the church as corrupt and you know, so and, and and so it just just the the bad taste has been left in my mouth. And you know, I've realized that you know my relationship with God is between me and God. You know, um, I don't necessarily feel the need to go to church because I've seen those people that go to church one day a week and act like they're these saints. Well, then it's like, well, what are you doing the other six days of the week? You know, the show, the the dog and pony show that that some yeah. people put on, that my family put on. Yeah. And realizing now that, like, you know what? I to in order to be a Christian and to have a relationship with God, I I don't have to go to church, and I do believe that God will lead me back, and and I'm and I'm open to it. It's just for me that's such a touchy, a yeah. touchy subject because again, you know, I don't necessarily feel safe in yeah. those presence, and for me, it's all about safety and feeling safe, and I, and I mean, I that's got to be true for a lot of addicts, like yeah. that safety aspect. We want to feel safe. Yeah. So I want to I want to tell you about uh, something that really relates to all this because, you know, I'm smack dab in the middle of millennial, um, mm -hmm. 
and and I I believe that uh, our generation has very much been defined by what you just described of your experience of the church. Um, that sex is such an important concept in conversation for teens growing up and the the message that was received i do not believe this was the message that was intended but it's absolutely the message that was communicated and received was sex is the worst possible thing that you could do until you get married and then it's perfect (laughs) and there's nothing that ever could possibly go wrong with it if you're married in a heterosexual relationship and my life has proven both of those things as complete mm. bullshit, to put it simply. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, it's just false. And every and my wife and I talk about this all the time, about just how much that was just garbage and how that messed with our brains. Um, and, you know, I'm, I have really become a believer in the, the, the the fact that all sin is driven by trauma mm. period across the board and everything that the church has called sin we've we've called sin like broken rules trauma does not create broken rules mm. trauma creates hurt people and hurt people hurt people mm. yeah so I think like when I think at, you know as I stand on Sunday morning and I preach about sin, and doing wrong, man, I want to be a different voice that's saying I was hurt both intentionally and unintentionally by other people's brokenness. And I create brokenness in other people. Mm. So I am going to do my work so that I can be as healthy as possible. And I'm going to bring that work to God and trust that God can heal me not just for my sake, but for the sake of my wife and for my daughter and the church that I'm trying to serve and my family and the people around me. Like I want to be, I want to be good. So I don't become an addict, (laughs) which I already am. And I want to be healed so that I don't create more damage to other people. I don't want to be another pastor that I hear a story like what, what you just shared. And and that was my experience too. Man, it's, I feel like um, no wonder people are running away from the church right now because we have pretended like we had answers to things that we didn't have answers to. And instead of just being honest about that and saying, I don't know, (laughs) we've like put a line in the sand and that Mm -hmm. hurt people again. And now you get to clean up the baggage of that. (laughs) They're not the ones that going like doing group and dealing with an addiction. You, you right. carry that. And that just sucks. <laughs> That's not right. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I think conversations like we're having right now are turning that dial so that hopefully, you know, my daughter's generation doesn't carry that, that same baggage of trauma Yeah. because we, we talked about it. And because 
I don't intend to have a sex talk with my daughter. I intend to talk about sex with my daughter regularly throughout her life. Yeah. That there's not going to be like one moment that I think one magical conversation is going to fix everything for her. Yeah. You that's, know? That's, a, that's a really good point because you're right. It's, it's more than one conversation. Right. And, and I think growing up, that was like there was one conversation for every, you know, sinful topic was yeah. drugs, alcohol, sex. One time, don't do it. One time, don't do it. One time, don't do it. And it wasn't an ongoing conversation. Oh. You know, I remember thinking I remember being a kid and, you know, going and visiting my parents' families and, you know, hanging out with aunts and uncles and and wanting to hear what my parents did. Well, I, I want to hear what you did. You know, you're over here preaching to me. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Well, you guys grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And I know that yeah. my parents didn't find God until, man, the late 20s, early 30s. Mm. Um, and I know that they were partiers. I know they were drinkers. They, they they have told me that. But it's like, well, what else? You know, what 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 have you guys done? What's your ex- I want to know your experience, not necessarily because I want to go and do it, but like tell me, you know, it for me the why. Why is a is a huge thing for me. I, I tell my bosses this and same with my addiction. Like yeah. we're going to treatment and finding out the whys. Oh, okay. It makes sense now. Like, so hey, if you're telling me not to do these things, well, what's your experience with them? You know, why are you telling me not to? Is it just simply because the church and the rules or is it because, hey, maybe you had a bad, you had a bad experience with them and you don't want me to have that same experience. Like, tell me the why's I want to know, you know, I'm very curious and that never happened. So I remember being like, just bugging my aunts and uncles. Hey, tell, tell me about my dad. Tell me about my mom. Tell me. And they wouldn't. Um, And I think that, you know, in the era that they grew up, that was kind of, again, we don't talk about things. Yeah. We don't talk about things. We sweep them under the rug. Um, yeah. And it it's so funny because looking back, like, and I didn't find this out until I was in my 20s, um, that my dad was abused in the Catholic Church. Oh, wow. For years. Man. Years. And then he in turn, and it's it's like they, you know, you, you, kind, of, you kind of alluded to this earlier, was like, I hold two truths. I am a, I am a victim and I am a perpetrator of trauma. Yes. And it's like, I, I see that. I, and I'm like, Oh God, like I see that in you now. Like I, I get it. I get why you did what you did. It, it doesn't justify it. You know, um, it doesn't make it right by any means at all. You know what he did was wrong, but mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I get it. Yeah. Oh shit. I, I get it. Um, And just that, you know, again, so just back to like the whole, you know, it's, it's not one conversation for everything. It's, it's an ongoing conversation. And that's, that's such an awesome way to look at it because you're right. That's what it's got to be just like, just like groups, just like the program, like they are ongoing conversations ongoing. And that's, that's what helps us. That's what heals us. That's what informs us. As human yeah. beings, we 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 wanted the information. Give me the I want the information. When I don't get any information, I'm left to myself to figure it out. Well, I don't know what I'm doing. So of course I'm gonna run back to my old ways and, yeah. and no 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 idea why I'm doing these things at all. Um so man, that's that was just that was that was that was a really good point. I, that was an awesome point. 
I'm glad. And I, I, I appreciate like this, this reminds me of something you said in the last episode, you, you talked about how, how you learn. And it's like, you don't want somebody to just come and say, this is the thing you should think. You want somebody to just like share their experience so that you can take it and chew on it mm-hmm. <laughs> and figure out what you think. And I, I, man, I, I wish I had that opportunity. Like I, I didn't, I'm, grateful that I didn't have the, the, like the big abuse in my life. Um, and I didn't have neglect, but I had the, uh, what is not talked about becomes what cannot be talked about. Mm, Yeah. Um, so like it, it wasn't that my parents didn't talk about like had a problem with sex. My parents weren't like hyper religious in any stretch. I mean, we went to church consistently, but I wouldn't call us like a crazy religious family there didn't seem to be any sort of stuff that was expect expecting us to present some particular way but sex wasn't talked about Mm. at all just was not a topic of conversation in my family so i never realized i always thought like well i guess i could have if i wanted to go talk to them that was actually something my therapist mentioned she was like you realize that the fact that they never talked about it communicated to you that you can't talk to them about it even if you wanted to like you wouldn't even think to talk to them about it because you never hear them talk about it and you know i'll just share this with you because like even a conversation like this like i i feel a little bit like i feel so like privileged to be able to have this conversation but also because of the way the church currently is this is a risky conversation for me to have Mm. as a pastor you know, somebody who doesn't know about what I'm going through, who's outside, hears the conversation and goes, oh, I know who that is. Um, you know, that has risk for my family, sure. for my well-being, for for the, the way that I'm perceived in a community. Um, and I feel like this is the conversation that needs to be happening. So I think that's, this is why it's been hard for the church to change is because um, I think we need voices like yours that are saying like, Hey, I'm not in charge here, but I'm okay with you talking about it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm not going to burn you at the stake because you, you hurt people, you know? Um, you know, one of the biggest pieces of shame that I feel about my addiction is my awareness of the fact that my use of porn perpetuates the existence of porn. Like, people are abused and are taken advantage of because of the internet searches that I did. If I wasn't searching for that, the content wouldn't be there. I, I very much believe that. And I, I believe that because I'm active in our denominations uh work around sex trafficking around the world and i know for a fact that sex trafficking thrives where there is a high demand market Mm -hmm. and man it is complicated to be going through sexual addiction and at the same time trying to lead people to recognize how sexual addiction and uh and and like literally doing internet searches using websites like Pornhub you know 
like this stuff is what I am creating other people's addiction and I'm creating other people's trauma and I'm perpetuating other people's trauma by having an addiction. Mm. Mm. Yeah, man, it's, it's such like a rock and a hard place to be in, you know, it, and, uh, Honestly, that's this is why this is a big part of why I feel like I could not do this without my higher power. With, yeah. Without God, I could not do this because this is so much bigger than me. Mm-hmm. But also, every single action I take has an impact on more than just me, and not just the people that I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, mm-hmm. it feels overwhelming. Which suddenly, there you go, triggering again, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's man. It 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 really is. It's 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 almost it's weird. I I want to say simple, but also very complicated. Like yeah. it's and it's in there's if, layers. And for it's like me, an onion. every yeah, layer you yeah. see it back, you cry more. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ain't that the truth? Um, and, you know, and it's. And and for me, that's a very it's a very contradictory thing, right? To try to wrap my head around it. And I'm an addict. Like I want to make things black and white. It's either yeah. one way or not. It's either complicated or it's simple. There's no way that it can be both at the same time. Yeah, that doesn't exist. No way. No, no, no. That's that's exactly how it exists. Yeah. And trying to overcome that and just try to live life in that gray area, right? Like yeah. it's the gray area. That's where life happens. It is. And I, and I still, I mean, I still struggle with this to, cause, cause my mind immediately wants to make things black and white and just mm-hmm. saying that, that again, that's why I was hesitant there to say, you know, you said it was complicated and I was hesitant because I was like, well, I don't know. That doesn't, it can't be simple at the same time, but it, it is though. Like, yeah. and, and so even just that a little conflict right there for me just shows how yeah. black and white I want to make things. Because it yeah. is. It's, it's so complicated. It's a paradox, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 This is actually my, one of my wife's best one-liners. Is God lives in the paradox. <laughs> That's where God lives. He lives in the spaces where it's like, my brain won't put those two things together. And God's like, hi, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I live here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, uh, when, when you say that faith faith comes to mind. Yeah. Um because you know God is is as many as as many of things that have happened in my life that are that are purely God, right? Like I I know that that's God. Mm. But then at the same time on the same hand it's like well, why can't you why can't you just like why can't I hear your voice? Why can't you just speak to me? I need mm. you just I need you to speak to me, right? But it's like so, so for me, that that faith faith comes from, to mind with that. Like, I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It, ma- um, it makes perfect sense to me. I, I constantly crave for God to just be like, "I got this." Yeah, yeah. Can God? Can you just like? Can I just hear your your voice audibly? That's not that sounds different than my voice. And can you just like tell me what to do right now? Um, yeah. You know, there's yep. so many times in this in my in my journey that. I just I, I can't I can't name the amount of times where I've just sat and cried and prayed God like I need a miracle to yeah. get through this day. It's yes. going to take a miracle to stop me from acting out today and to yeah. stop me from hurting myself. And you know nothing big will happen. But yet I'll go to bed and I'll be like 
well, I didn't act out today. And I was in a really tough spot. And okay, all right. And then there's been times where... (laughs) You know, there's there's been times where I, I truly feel like God has truly stepped in when I've wanted to act out. Um, and there's been times where he's 100% stepped in. And there's been times where I feel like he hasn't. Or or maybe, you know, in those times I I miss the signs. You know, th- that's, that's a hmm. big thing for me too is like, yeah. oh, like I'm missing something, God. Like something's missing. I'm, it's right under my nose. But for me in my head, I need these this big neon flashing light that says, go this way, um, do this. Um, and so and, and, and that frustrates me. That frustrates yeah. me because I'm like, all right, God, obviously you're listening to me and you're here. Why are you not directing me right now? Or why did why did you allow me to act out? And I and I and I understand, you know, and, and what I do know about God is that, you know, he gives us free will and that it's 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 up to us. You know, the signs are there, but it, it, ultimately it's up to me if I want to follow those signs and see those signs. But again, sometimes I feel like I just, I'm blind to those signs. And, yeah. and, and so that's, that, man, that's just like where my struggle is with God in, in the wrestling that him and I do yeah. in my recovery. Dude, you just described my brain. <laughs> that's, that's literally what it feels like for me. <laughs> like the 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 this, but not that, and the this and the not that, and and yeah, that's that's exactly. I, I want to tell you a story. I uh, this is it's a weird thing that it, it has been shifting for me. So there was a pattern that I started to notice after acting out where suddenly, out of nowhere, a praise and worship song was stuck in my head immediately after acting out. Hmm. And it felt so gross. Like, it felt weird. Like, really? This is what, like, it just, it didn't feel like it belonged. And it, I felt like I would, suddenly the song would be in my head, and it would almost feel like, oh, I'm ashamed that I just, I, I'm, I'm extra ashamed that I just acted out because now I'm hearing this thing that's like, no, this is what you should have been thinking about instead. And I, what I've been realizing lately is that was never the intention of that song being in my head. I very much now believe that God put those songs in my head to comfort me. Hmm. Like God was like, I know you didn't want to do that and you're, really feeling down right now let me try to pick you up i love you man that sucks <laughs> yeah like, and shame said that i was doing that as a way to like that was my fault in some way and i really yeah. think god was just trying to just take care of me in the moment be recognizing that yeah i messed up and he still loves me and like one of the words that a big part of my recovery in this this round here had <laughs> a big word change for me is I am trying to eliminate the word should from my vocabulary. Okay. Just because I for me, the word should is always laced with shame. Hmm. Okay. Just across the board. If I feel like I should do it, I'm feeling ashamed that I didn't. Wow. Okay. I feel I shouldn't do it. I'm feeling ashamed that I did do it just period. So it's like, I'm altering it with like, instead of saying I should eat healthier, I say 
it would be good to eat healthier. Hmm. Just trying to shift that language has helped me in massive ways with the the shame. So I think about like that that song and in the the my response to instead of I shouldn't have done that. That probably that was not healthy for me to do. Instead, uh, man, it probably would have been healthier to do this. I can do that next time. <laughs> I don't need to feel ashamed of the mis- I don't need to feel ashamed that I am somebody who is hurting. And out of that hurt, imperfection comes. Mm. Like, <laughs> of course, imperfection comes, right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing in scripture that tells me I'm supposed to be perfect and I'm supposed to handle that myself. I, I, my theological tradition speaks of Christian perfection as a state of closeness to God. It's nothing to do with like doing everything perfectly. So I don't like the whole language of purity that was done for a long time. I don't believe it. (laughs) And I think my addiction has changed my theology for that because I've, I've realized like I can have a meaningful relationship with God where I don't feel ashamed of myself as an addict. That's possible. Yeah. (laughs) I can be fully loved by God as an addict and that's possible. And man, I didn't believe that. I'm only like, I've, I've been a pastor for like five years now and I'm just now believing that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so freeing. Like it'll, it allows me to, you know, to, to sit in this conversation and, and say, you know, I've been, I've been craving some searches Yeah, and to just kind of own that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's man. That's I, I. I love the example of you know taking should out of your vocabulary. Like I, I it, because for 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 addicts, it's it's all about doing the little things to kind yeah. of to shift things. Like and they they told us this in treatment, and I'm just now kind of remembering this. Um, that if we can shift our trajectory by just one degree, mm. we're now instead of going this way, but just by one degree. Now we're just kind of slightly so it's like it's those little things that that help our brain like yeah. like they taught us take out try to take out the word but replace but with and. Yes. So I, I yeah. try to do that even though in my mind I'm like, this doesn't sound right, this doesn't fit. Um <laughs> and, and and I try to make a conscious effort, I still use it, but I and um uh, and I try to make, you know, a conscious effort to do it, but it's it just shows that it's like it's the little things. It's the little, you know, we're, we're rewiring those, our brain and the paths. Yep. And, and it's, it's so cool that we are able to do that. Yep. Right. Like it's, it's so awesome that no matter how old you are, you can change the way you think and the way you behave. That there's no set point where like, Oh, all right. You're, you're 35 years old, man. Well, um, hope you got, you know, up until now, you're doing that for the rest of your life because you can't change it. So it's it's yeah. super cool that you can, and it's super hard. And it's super hard, yeah. right? It's super hard. It takes a it takes a lot. And I almost said willpower right there, but and uh, for me, you know, willpower is it can only get me so far. Yeah. And for for me, it's it's the willingness. 
Like I, yeah. I, I, the willingness is what's carried me through all of my hard times. Um, the willingness has just has really carried me through, honestly, my toughest times. Because yeah. I'm like, I don't want to keep doing this, um, and this is really hard, and I don't, I don't, I don't see an end. And again, that that's addict thinking. That's that's me future tripping. That's me trying mm-hmm. to look at the big picture and not just, okay, well, what can I do today? What can I do yeah. to get myself through today? I'm thinking, oh, what's going to get me through the next year, the next five years, you know, instead of thinking, all right, what just the, that, that willingness for me, I've really noticed lately that's really carried me through because I, I don't have willpower. My willpower in certain situations is very low. And I heard something one time, uh, another addict buddy shared with me, he was like, people that look like they have strong willpower they actually they don't put themselves in situations where they have to exercise that willpower, mm. and and that just like a light bulb went off. Like, oh That's my gosh! Deep. Like, wow! When here I am thinking, oh, I can put myself in that situation and I'm going to be fine. Mm. Well, if if I don't go into that situation, I don't have to exercise the little to no willpower that I actually do have. Yeah. Um, and and that was that was really big for me. Like just realizing, okay, yeah. Like there are situations that I can't put myself in, and and that was really hard to come to terms with, because I suffer from from FOMO, fear of FOMO. missing out, like For real. <laughs> like yeah. fear of missing out. Like I remember, uh, this was this was back in December. Um, I was in a situation where I was out with some coworkers having a drink. I don't drink, but like there's the, these guys around me. I work with a guy that sells coke, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. a I'm a coke addict, and mm-hmm. he was like. Hey, you want this? And I was like, nah, man, I'm good. Um, he's like, oh, okay. And we went outside and he was like, hey, man, do you mind if I do this? And he knows I went to rehab. Mm. Um, and he was like, hey, man, do you, do you mind if I do this in front of you? And next thing you know, he's got it broken out on his phone. Mm. And I I started saying the serenity prayer, just like, oh, just try not to look at it. And I remember I got out of it and they were all like, all right, well, we're going to go to a karaoke bar. And I was like, Oh man, that sounds really fun. Like I, I want to go do that. I want to go watch you guys make fools of yourselves, so that I can make fun of you guys at work the next week, right? And it was like nine o'clock on a Friday night, and I'm like, I'm not ready to go home yet. And but I was like, I need to go home. And mm. I left that. I was mad at myself, Rev. I was mad at myself. I was like, because of you and your problem, we can't go have fun. Mm, yeah, we can't go have fun because you have a problem. Because I mm. said no twice. There's no guarantee in the third time. Yeah. Um, and so, so just the willpower, man. That's, you know, that 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 statement that my buddy told me. That I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's huge. I I am, I'm like doing some serious processing in that willingness versus willpower right now. That's phenomenal. Like, that's, I you know, I think that's actually the posture that all of Scripture is trying to like call humans to it. Like, I think (laughs) you come back to Adam and Eve. That was the, the original sin is them thinking willpower is going to work instead of willingness. Like that's what that was. It's (laughs) Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, that's, that's the core of it right there. That's huge. Yeah. That, yeah. Just that, like, I am willing to kind of allow this, what is to be 
what it is Mm -hmm. and kind of release. (laughs) Yeah. You know, instead of trying to like hold on to the reins of reality as if we can control it. Right. Yeah. So I had 100%, man. Like, and yeah. realizing how much about this is control. Right. Like, that, that blew my mind. Like, cause I was like, I'm not a control freak. I, no, actually, I, I am. You know, I like, I am. Yeah. I'm an addict. I, I'm, I am a control freak. And that, that took me a long time to get a grasp on that as well. Like, that took yeah. me a long time. Um, the perfectionist in me, I didn't never thought I was a perfectionist when no, I, I absolutely am like those, those, those concepts. I'm just now kind of being like, okay, like I get that. And I see that and, or I get it. I've, I've I see it from the time that they said it to me in treatment. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I see it. But to fully understand that. And, yeah. and so that was, that was really huge for me was mm-hmm. being like, okay, yeah, I get it now. It makes Be sense. Worth. Cause I know, I know for me, that's like lack of loss of control or feelings of loss of control. Like you talk about triggers back to beginning of this conversation, feeling of loss of control is absolutely a trigger. If I feel like I am not in control of the world around me, suddenly I'm craving like completely unrelated subjects. And my truck breaks down. I'm craving porn. Like, (laughs) Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And now I, I find myself almost hyper aware of control to the point yeah. where like, like I'll be at work and, you know, I'll be, I'll be working with people and, you know, they're, they're not necessarily, they're, they're doing it a different way than I would do it. But however, my way of doing it, it makes things a little simpler. And mm-hmm. so like, like today I I was working with a buddy and he did something and I was like, well, Hey man, um, you know, turn turn things this way so that when we go to scan them they're all on the same side and he and i was like and then i like i immediately pulled back and i was like hey man i'm really sorry like i'm not trying to take control of the situation here i'm not and he was like no man i didn't take it like that at all like you were showing me an easier more efficient way to do things and i appreciate that and but in my mind here i am trying to just control the entire situation and control yeah. what he's doing and how he's doing it and it's like so trying to find that balance for me cuz i'm yeah. i'm kind of caught in that struggle of panda are you just are you trying to control the situation right now cuz if you are you need to step back but mm-hmm. i feel like that with with almost everything that has to do with other people now mm-hmm. and so it's like trying to find that balance for me of okay, is this being too controlling? Am I trying to take too much control? Do I need to dial it back? Or is this appropriate? Yeah. And I need to evaluate that that is a situation-to-situation evaluation. It's not a one-time conversation. It's a a conversation, 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 conversation with myself, like constantly being aware of that. So, so yeah, yeah, that's... Absolutely. I so, I so appreciate that. And I, it makes me think like, you know, recovery work. I mean, I think everybody should be in recovery period, <laughs> whether they, I think everybody's an addict, but to different things in different ways. I think probably the vast majority of us are dopamine addicts. Yep. Um, but man, recovery just requires so much self-awareness work. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you just described. You just described somebody who is doing self-awareness work and you almost get so self-aware that 
it becomes self-conscious. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. 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 Yeah. And I, I, cause that happens to me all the time where sometimes people look at me like I got six heads and I'm like, <laughs> like <laughs> this, this addiction, man, this disease, yeah. especially sexual addiction, right? Like, like I can tell yeah. it, you know, it's for me, it's, it's kind of bittersweet. Like, it's bittersweet having two addictions, right? Like, because if people mm-hmm. ever like, oh, if they ever question why I do a certain thing or something, I can be like, oh, well, I'm in a 12-step program, you know, NA, I've, I've got a drug problem. Well, yeah, I have a drug problem, but the core problem for me is sex. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's really only the people that I truly trust and am safe with that know, hey, I'm a sex addict. Um, yeah. And so it's just, it's just so unfortunate that, you know, while one recovery is celebrated – there's so there's others out there that are not and that are frowned upon and that if I tell somebody I'm a sex addict, this happened before. They want to make a joke. Well, yeah, everybody's a sex addict. Well, hold on, this yeah. this this ruined my life. Um, well, it could have ruined my life. It it, it ruined certain aspects of my life. Um, it, I hurt a lot of people. However, now I have an opportunity to do something like this. Absolutely, Rev man. Thank you so much. I know you got to get going. Uh, thanks. Thank you so much for, for giving us the time and the conversation. You know, there were a lot of things in there that really hit me and, and I, so I just, I appreciate you bringing yourself to the table. Um, it really means a lot to me. Um, and I know that the listeners are going to get something out of it. I got something out of it. Um, so again, thank you so much for coming on, man. I just, I, I really appreciate it. Um, I got a lot out of that. So thank you. Man, all right, guys. Man, thanks so much for tuning into this one. This one was, um, man, this one was was a good one. This one, you know, there was a few times there where where he was just talking, and man, I I just had tears in my eyes, and I feel I feel really nurtured after that conversation. You know, for me, these are the conversations that that need to be had, um, not only for the podcast and the message that I'm trying to to push, but also for me personally, you know, um, I would have gotten out just as much at this conversation if him and I were on the phone. And I know that the conversation would have gone the exact same way um, if we were on the phone. It just so happens that, you know, we're, we're, we're recording this and putting this out for the people to hear. Um, but man, that was, again, I told you guys that I kind of came into the studio feeling a little irritated, uh, feeling a little angry and critical. And I got to say, man, those... Those those feelings quickly dissolved, um, you know, once the conversation got going. Um, honestly, and just seeing his face on um, on the monitor here in front of me in the studio, um, so that one was was really good. I, I really hope that you guys enjoy that as much as I did. Um, he, we will absolutely have Rev back. Um, I think that you know him and I have a lot to talk about, um, and I'm just I'm really looking forward. And, and you know, I just I want to take a second to just say how thankful and how grateful I am. Um, for the willingness for everybody to come on here. Um, you know, this isn't easy. This isn't easy to come on here and talk. Um, you know, I've been doing this for some time now. Um, so it's, it's gotten easier for me. Um, however, you know, these guys coming in, it can't be that easy. And I just, I'm very grateful that, that guys are willing to come in here and to share their, their, their experience, strength and hope with everybody. Um, it just, it means a lot to me and it just, it confirms that I'm on the right path and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now, um, by putting these episodes out. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it again. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
You know, the email is still open, um, nolionshere at gmail.com. Uh, again, that's nolionshere.com um, at gmail.com. Sorry. Um, yeah, questions, comments, any topics that you guys want to hear, please please feel free to, to, to send it my way, and, and I'll absolutely address it. Um, again, thanks so much, guys, and we'll see you next time. 